Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time, and my most played on my Spotify rap thing, of course, They Might Be Giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I've got an OG TMBP VIP (laughs) person here. (laughs) I guess I didn't say person, because P is the the VIP's person. And yeah, a little repetitive, a little redundant. Abby Bash is back after a long, long absence to talk about Snowball in Hell off of Lincoln. Hey. <laughs> yeah, so man, that Monopuff uh Patreon episode we did, there's a free portion of that for people to listen to. But that was way back like I mean, that was over a year ago. That's that crazy. That's the summer of summer of 2019. Oh my god. And then before that, you were also on the TMBG Art episode part 1, oh which gosh, was before yeah. that. Throwback. And then you were in two early episodes. You 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 got me those deep cuts and those weird <laughs> ones doing door to door minotaur. And then Duncan, of course, of course, which when you did those, I mean those are still very new tracks. I mm. mean, we recorded those like very beginning of twenty nineteen yeah. and uh, my murdered remains and the escape team had just come out like a month or two before we recorded those. And now my moment remains as free on the website. <laughs> How times change. Oh, it, is it actually? Or wait, did they put it up on streaming, or is it just no? Uh, it's like free? pay what you want on the website. I think. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. They resisted putting those stuff <laughs> that stuff up on streaming. That's gotta be tough for an artist to do because that's just like where music lives these days. But uh, paid off for them. They sold a lot of copies of it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those boys—they're always up to their tricks. <laughs> up to their tricks how's uh how's uh being an artist going in this uh these pandemic times um actually pretty good you know like um i'm slowing down a bit now but i remember in like the first lo- uk lockdown which was like six months long or something ridiculous um mm-hmm. it was actually really good for my art and it's also linked to the art giants because i did like a fundraising thing for the the crew fundraiser thing that they have right. on the website and i did a bunch of commissions and like i posted on miss t and stuff and you know so many people supported me and i was like i was like drawing away all this like fan art of the other giants and it was like it was the thing that kept me going in the lockdown so it was it's pretty good actually and it kind of it helped That's me great. it helped me a lot as an artist because you know doing a lot like a lot of art at once for people it kind of like forces you to be driven and like motivated so it was pretty good actually mm-hmm. yeah it's it's nice to have other people holding you accountable and that's kind of absolutely what, you know. i need that always right right <laughs> it's the same thing with me like knowing people listen to the podcast and especially having 
Patreon people, like, you know, I'm not making much money, but I'm making enough to be like, got to get an episode <laughs> out this week. Or your fans will kill you. Doing it for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So for those of you that don't know, yeah, Abby's like the resident artist for uh, This Might Be a Podcast and has done almost all of our art, including the awesome Patreon t-shirts, the buttons, uh, the squiggly logo parody, uh, the artwork for the first live compilation we did for the Don't Let's Start episode. Uh, so a lot of awesome stuff uh, you can see online and get with uh patreon subscriptions so uh get on that and get some abby swag on your body wear that shit (laughs) every single time i see someone wearing a shirt it always makes you like freaked out because it's like so cool it's like i made that happen (laughs) well and you've also done t-shirts now for both of my bands yeah uh uh huh. You did the Doppelpopolis uh, EP artwork for our Bizarro EP, which then uh, we also did a T-shirt of the Birdman, and then just this last summer you did the Pets T-shirt for Outdoor Valor. Yes, so fun. Yeah, yeah. I have hired you quite <laughs> a few times. Appreciate it. Because because uh, everything keeps the, the, not a stinker among them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the stinker. Yeah, <laughs> you little stinker. <laughs> <laughs> so, if people want to hear about Abby's uh, Team BG fandom story, that would be way, way back on the Door to Door Minotaur episode, which was holy crap, what was that? Number ten. Wow, two digits. As far as like regular non-Patreon episodes go, you were on ten. And where did Duncan end up? 10 and 34. And then now this one is going to end up being 112. That's crazy. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's been a while. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just today, uh, episode came out with uh, a fellow artist and compatriot seymour schmidt's episode just came out oh my god seymour is like one of my closest friends he's amazing yeah his episode was um finally got me a episode for a y song i haven't seen you in forever seymour has the taste of they were giant songs (laughs) yeah i i haven't done the heavy promotion of that yet but that just went up this afternoon yeah People should go back and listen to those other Abby episodes if you haven't. But I think for this episode, we can get right on down to business then, you know, and talk about uh, why did you pick Snowball in Hell? Um, well, I mean, I picked it so long ago. <laughs> but, you know, I it's one of, it's still one of my favorite Denmark Giant songs, although I say that about every song. But it's like, I feel like the reason I picked it is because I feel like it's like, the peak flan song just because i feel like it kind of goes over a lot of themes that he uses in his lyrics a lot and like it has kind of the wordplay that everyone loves so much but it's kind of like a really perfect and simple version of all those things if that makes sense yeah yeah oh yeah and yeah we'll get we'll get deep into those lyrics um yeah it is just it is that like quintessential classic flans track And I'm very excited to be talking about it. Um, I think before we get into the song, as most people know, at the Lincoln version, we should talk about the demo, or rather demos, uh, the earliest versions that were heard on the Franco Tool radio show. Okay, 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 Avalanche rolled fly. I was a snowball in hell. Avalanche rolled fly. A jailer trapped in his cell. My money's all broke. My food's going hungry. If it wasn't for disappointment, I wouldn't have any appointments. Did I bet you drunk? I bet your truck trip. 
it's really interesting to me because even throughout all the versions of the song, it's like it, everything that's in the song stayed the same, but you could see him kind of switching it around and trying to perfect it. Like, because, uh-huh. you know, it's like different yeah. samples from the same track and the, the lyrics are thematically the same, but and sound like the the vowels are the same, but kind of switch around and stuff. And it's just like so interesting. Yeah, there's quite a few lyrical changes. So I guess the way this worked is that they played first one they played was this one so and then later in the show apparently they played this one that we're calling the reprise which is just slightly different in i believe it's just the instrumentation that's different some extra like record or like tape tape effect sounds at the beginning but yeah the first one i think just the the main difference is that the first one has some like clean electric guitar in it and the second one is pretty much just all synthesizers Mm -hmm. um what do you think about the i mean as far as comparing this to what ended up on lincoln you know, there's those lyrical differences, but what do you think about the uh, the instrumentation in this one? Because it is drastically different from what ended up on the record. Yeah, that's true. I think, you know, I'm one of those people that um, I always love the final versions of songs because that's, you know, that's what they meant for us to hear. And, like, that's right. what uh, their perfect version is to us. So, it, like, I always end up, that's what I always end up going back to. But um, I love going back to demos as well just because, it's so raw and like, um, it, it's, it sounds like, I don't know, it, it sounds so fun always in the demos. And like, I think the the instrumental in the demo version is a lot more kind of clunky and fun. And yeah, clunky is a good word. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I even just hearing the other parts of the samples, I feel like, you know, I, I love the demo, but it's even better hearing the final version with the demo because it's like, two parts of the final thing which is really interesting yeah yeah i think the best thing about listening to to demos like this that are so drastically different is it it helps you appreciate the work that really went into it Mm -hmm. to get it to that final product because yeah i think clunky is the perfect word for this it's just so kind of like lumbering these synths and like the drum machine is just like clobbering you and it's very sparse mm-hmm. where the final one ended up sounding like pretty smooth and chiming and you know i wouldn't use the word clunky for the album version at all yeah it's like the more accessible version almost yeah definitely mm-hmm. and those lyrical changes um oh also you get to hear a little more of the how to master time organization Yes. tape uh which we can talk about at length a little later but the uh the, it's pretty hilarious the okay 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 <laughs> it's like so anti anti-work which is like i, lo- I love it whenever fans words about that because it's like yeah stick it to the man yeah he, he has a lot of those songs mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's pretty great uh let's listen to also an early live version this um this youtube channel um which both those demos were on as well is this one i'm wondering if this is a new youtube channel that because i'm i'm starting to find a lot of stuff on this pergamentum pergamentum exit is the name of the youtube channel and it has all this early stuff that seems to have gone up fairly recently Mm -hmm. like this live snowball in hell there's a couple up we're going to listen to one from 88 um apparently right before lincoln came out and this was just posted uh in october 
And then those Snowball and Hell demos were just posted in... Well, the one was just posted in November. So, like, this is, like, brand new stuff hitting online. So, the, there's someone else. It's it's not 100% John Ulyss. There is <laughs> someone else digging around here. Yeah, and Mike Buffington. It's, like, the, unless, um, I mean, capital Q, I know, is John. I don't know who's running this Pergamentum exit. But if you're listening, please uh, let me know so I can give you real props. But let's listen to this live version and... I believe they use that little bit of extra tape at the beginning of this, too. Oh, I get it, Paul. You've got the needle out and back on that old time is money kick, right? Not back on it, Joe. Still on it. So the drum machines are is still pretty different. It's not as clunky, but it has a lot more little like fucking around stuff in it, like like little fast hi hat stuff. The good shit. Yeah. And here's where we're hearing the accordion in it, as it would end up focusing on on the record. Yeah. What do you what do you think about that live version? That's so cool. I. It's so nice, um, you know. Any any kind of recording from that time is always just like it. It brings me so much joy, but also so much jealousy because I was just like, "Why well, wasn't I there?" But it's it's um, they, those performances always have, have so much charm, just because I feel like they both are kind of like acting out a little bit and kind of going a bit crazy. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, I can just imagine Flans performing that and kind of, you know, I can just imagine kind of going a bit crazy and really selling it um and it just sounds really good and i really like the sample being at the start too yeah it's kind of mm-hmm. like yeah it's a good way to go into it because it kind of like shows you the themes of the song before it even you know starts which is really interesting mm. in co- especially in comparison mm-hmm. to the final version yeah i want i want to know where this person found this because this it sounds so clean mm. for a live recording from i mean we don't have the exact date or place on this but it sounds like it might be like straight off the the mixing board and i mean are there like full shows recorded from 87 and 88 because i want that shit (laughs) i want it i want that talking about the studio version let's get right into it because there is a little bit um uh let's get right into that tape this mysterious tape, because uh, there is a little bit of extra, little bit in the live recording we just heard, mm-hmm. where he says, um, "Oh, what is the part about the uh, needle?" He says, "Oh, Paul, you've got the needle out and back on that old time is money kick." And when I first heard that, I'm like, "What the hell does that mean?" The needle. Like, I mean, it makes it think like it's a, it's a <laughs> drug thing which do get mentioned in the song, but that eventually got cut out. But apparently, according to the wiki, people are saying that that means it's uh, an allusion to a stitch in time saves nine, so that the needle for stitching mm. is something about you know not wasting time. So you've got the needle out, but that's just such a weird thing to say. But this uh, the LP originally came out in 1961. Yeah. And then... Uh, Flans got it on a tape given to him from Bill Krauss, early producer and the producer of uh, Lincoln. I actually looked up the tape on Discogs to see if anyone was selling it. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> I found it on Amazon for like $21, which is not bad at all. But like on Discogs, it's like $90 or something. I was like, okay, maybe that's a day. <laughs> I can't believe people have cared enough to I care enough, hold on to these. and Yeah. <laughs> Success motivation cassette tapes. 
presents How to Master Time Organization by Paul J. Meyer. So this guy put himself right into it, right? Oh, Paul, back on the old time is money kick. He's like, I'm going to be the star of this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bill Krauss apparently bought it for 25 cents at a flea market and uh, gave it to Flans for his birthday. That's not right. It's probably a good birthday present. <laughs> Well, you know, they, they weren't famous rock stars yet, you know. So still uh, slim slim times there. So Flans said uh, in Throttle Magazine in 1990, he said, it's a how to organize yourself self-help cassette, and it's pretty odd. That whole thing is part of a how to get your shit together skit. It's a really silly tape. It really has no useful tips as to how to be more organized. And he also adds, we probably needed to get permission for using it, but we didn't. We've been very bad about getting permission on sampled things. And I hope we don't get sued. <laughs> it's one thing to not get permission, and it's another thing to just admit it straight up. <laughs> In a magazine. Like, yeah. please don't sue us. And then um, Bill Krause, in an interview in 1994, um, he says he bought it at a bookstore so i don't know flea market bookstore uh in new jersey and he saw it on a rack with a bunch of tapes on how to make the most money in your life and how to relax it's a bunch of how-to cassettes i was flipping through them and flansburg's birthday was coming up and i came across how to manage your time effectively which he names it wrong but he's clearly talking about that and i thought flansburg will find a way to use this <laughs> and so i gave it to him for his birthday and we ended up putting it in snowball so it did end up being a useful gift <laughs> and i also sent you a link to uh on the wiki someone uploaded a little bit more of that and i'll play i'll play a little bit more of it here so people can hear the context going into it did you want to listen to a little bit of that yeah sure then about 9 15 on the following day i walked into the coffee shop and just as i expected joe was already there paul paul meyer oh good morning joe hey come on over pull up a chair i'll buy you a cup of coffee Thanks. Sit down, Paul. Say, I've just finished the morning paper and I'm ready for my second cup of coffee. Is that so? I've been hoping I'd run into you. Yeah? Hey, Max, got another coffee customer for you. Okay, coming right up. You know, this guy, Max, is a great guy. He owns this place and he makes a good cup of coffee. Yes, I know. Here you are, gentlemen. I didn't expect to find a salesman drinking coffee this late in the morning. How long you been here, Joe? Oh, I don't know. I guess 30, 45 minutes maybe. Why do you ask? You must be making a lot of sales, piling up a good income. Oh, uh, I'm doing all right. I could do better, but... Oh, I get it, Paul. You've got the needle out and back on that old time is money keg, right? Not back on it, Joe. Still on it. Okay, okay, okay. So time is money. You know, it's a good expression, but it doesn't really mean anything. Time's a lot of other things, too, you know. Time is happiness, and, well, time's a big pain when you're waiting for somebody. That's right. And time is timing, when you're in trouble with your golf swing like I used to be. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul's the dick, right? Joe's the one that's just there. He's just trying to enjoy a cup of coffee. They're both dicks in the room in a very special way. So they speak very well of Max, who owns the diner. Yeah, he seems cool. Okay, so I think that about covers that tape. It's one of those little things that... I don't feel like you see a whole lot of like random little things like this in their newer yeah. work, probably. Because, you know, maybe they're a little more wary of stuff like getting sued. Uh, you don't really hear samples anymore, like the... They make their own samples. You know, Daniel Singh bass, which I just talked about on Boat of Car, yeah, or like the saxophone in uh, number three, sampled stuff. Um, yeah, I don't I mean, I mean, maybe it's just, you know, a product of the era. Like, that was a hip thing in the 80s. Sampling was really getting big. I kind of feel like sampling has become a different thing nowadays because it's like, I'm obviously not, not this is not applied to everything, but it's like, you know, music uh, programs have become so like intense and amazing that people can use samples and edit them so much that they become their own kind of instruments in a weird way. Mm -hmm. um, and at, but with They Are Giants, I think it's more like they just kind of are focusing on making their own sound with their own ridiculous instruments 
and um, you know, kind of using stuff on their instruments to make them sound crazy, like Linnell's like detuning of the piano and stuff, and like the Korg stuff, and um, right. which I th- I feel like is kind of a similar kind of way of experimenting, just more updated because they're kind of like way like you know the things that they're trying to do are, are different now, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah. And I mean, that was, you know, they were, they were young guys again, just to, there's a lot scrappier, you know, and, and making use of what they had available to them at the time. And, uh, I can relate so much. Yeah. And, uh, or if it was, you know, something that inspired them, like I'd, I'd like to know if the, uh, tape was what inspired the whole song. I mean, who knows? Or did they just happen to come together? Well, I don't know. Let's talk about those. L- you want to talk about the lyrics or the musical elements first? Um, we can do lyrics. I feel like I have a lot to say about lyrics. Okay, yeah, lyrics. And we can also talk about some of the differences from those demos mm-hmm. we played before. Um, aside from just the okay, okay, and the flames, does the la, la, la's. <laughs> um yeah, let's talk about the official lyrics, though, and we can compare them to the demo ones as we go. Uh, give me your take on the lyrics. I mean, I'm feeling it was big. It sounds like it's a big reason why you picked this song. Oh, absolutely. I think it's just, um, yeah, like I was saying before, just about the themes, it's like, you know, it's got, like, the coffee references, obviously, and it's, like, the stuff about hating work. Um, and also just, like, I feel like a lot of songs from that era that Flans wrote were like about failure, which is like, you know, I kind of love it because it's like, especially this song, I feel like it's really honestly written. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I, yeah, I just, like I was saying before, I just feel like um, it's a real kind of, how to explain it? It's like a real, he, he really found what he was trying to say with this song, I feel like. And it's like, whenever I try and show people they are giants, I do end up showing them this song just because it's like, it's it's interesting in all of the ways, but it's also really accessible and kind of like relatable. But it also kind of, um, it's like one of my favorite, I feel like it was the first song with Flans that made me kind of like really fall in love with this wordplay because like mm. as, as I've continued to be a fan, like the, the thing that I always pick up on is the re- really funny use of wordplay, like you know the money IA thing and like the disappointment appointment thing, um, and I I remember hearing that for the first time and just being like, oh that's so good. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Talking about the um, if it wasn't for disappointment, I wouldn't have any appointments. It's so good is a perfect perfect couplet. It's just. It's one of those Amazing. things that you hear for the first time. You like, you kind of like pass it, but then when you actually think about it, you're like, oh my god, that's so funny. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. this song is so good as well for like, um, you know, a lot. A thing that they might be giants do a lot is like, use old phrases that you haven't heard for a long time. And it's like, mm-hmm. I love that so much because it's like, kind of a way to appreciate, kind of like the language in a weird way, and also, kind of get your point across without being cliche. Um, and I feel like this song is really good for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the one one thing in the lyric that I I think I was probably mishearing and never really bothered to look up until the, this week preparing for this episode was panacea. My panaceas mm. in a Xerox shop. What did you think it Do was? You know what that means? Actually, you know. I always thought he was saying something like vanity, and I don't think I even heard the Xerox rights. I get uh, that. Something like to me, it was like totally like my vanity is in a something file is like what I was hearing, and I don't wow. even. Wow, I like that. I like that. I don't even know. I mean, I was had it on a physical physical copy that I could have looked up the lyrics to. I think the lyrics are in the then. Yeah. Clip. I think yeah. But yeah. Panacea. Do you know what panacea means? Panacea is like. Yeah, the line means it's about, um, it's like my true love is in a Xerox printing shop, right? Uh, panacea, the definitions that I found is that it's like a cure-all, a drug that can cure all ills. Oh, okay. Yeah, so again, I mean, we're talking about, you know, it's right in the verse, he's saying uh, side effect or drug trip. 
don't tease me with all of your might side effect or drug trip my fantasy is in a xerox shop and so here i don't know if we're talking about um you know different vices that you think mm. you know you, you've had a shitty day at work you're gonna go have a drink or you know maybe something else but yeah panacea a solution or remedy for all difficulties or diseases wait so what, so, what would what would be what would a remedy be at a xerox shop yeah the xerox is is the part i don't really that's interesting understand maybe just the you know in a xerox shop you make copies and maybe that means his his drug of choice is never running out. Or maybe like he's making copies and copies. Maybe of like if he maybe he's working an office job and like the like you know he has to keep this job in order to survive. So it's like his, the only thing he can do is work this shitty Xerox printing job. Okay, so literally making you know he's in a Xerox shop. Yeah, uh, Flans always throwing that crazy vocabulary. I love it in songs. But if you look back at the uh, demos, that was not in there. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying side effect or drug trip, he says, did I affect your drug trip? Don't tease me with all of your might. Did I affect your drug trip? Who threw my wallet in the wishing well? <laughs> See, I love that because it's like um, in the final version, it's kind of like it's about the narrator. And then in that demo version, it's kind of like it's it sounds like he's talking to maybe he's talking to the who the, who the narrator becomes in the final version like did i affect your drug trip like it's interesting that, mm. that kind of like perspective has been switched yeah 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 good point there um let's see what else is different in the there was something else oh yeah in the uh demo he did not yet have the money io money ia i'm glad he had his eye <laughs> Yeah. Mm hmm. And I'm perfectly fine with him taking out the la 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 part. I mean, that was what went kind of with the the extra samples. Because mm -hmm. the not back on it, Joe, still on it, repeated a bunch of times at the end, too. So it had the extra okay, okays at the beginning, had the extra not back on it, Joe, still on it at the end, and Flans would la 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 over it. And I think he was right to have that. Uh, Hit I the think cutting it's room sweet. floor. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like a little half baked on the demo. Yeah, but we love half baked with the uh, Giants demos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's—I mean, like I was saying—you can see, like, okay, he was trying out this little thing, and then he decided, yeah, no, just put some more work into it, mm. and uh, then it changes on its way. You probably read it before, but um, he said about the fact that he wrote the song so quickly um that he kind of just made it he just wrote it and sang it straight off and then he found the lyrics before that he wrote for it before mm -hmm. and apparently he said they were even better lyrics yeah yeah it's in a 2015 article in spin it was written so fast that I couldn't find the original piece of paper that the song was actually written on. I actually found it a couple years later and it has completely different words that are slightly better. <laughs> And uh, I'll drop in a little bit of this interview he did, too. He says a similar thing on this interview. He also said it on um, Tumblr, too. Also in... What's that? He also said it on Tumblr, too, when he asked the question, answers the questions. It's funny how that story just all of a sudden was popping up everywhere. But well, he's old. Yeah. <laughs> they Might Be Giants give keynote address at Signal Conference in 2015. And he doesn't mention the song by name there, but it's that same story. So everyone is pretty much assumes that he's talking about Snowball. So can you think of any other song where like, you go no. back and like fix, like write the apology for the earlier song? Oh, well, we were just talking about this the other day. There was, there was a point in our career where we were working so quickly that uh, uh, like I actually put together a song, lost the original lyric sheet, and then we recorded the song. And about like a year or two later, I was, I was cleaning out my house and I actually found the original lyrics and they were so much better. It was very, it was extremely frustrating. But I will not name the song because <laughs> I do not want people, I do not want this in Wikipedia. I love that anecdote just because it's like, it's so, it's so, I just love the idea that like, 
he has so many ideas and like Linnell has so many ideas that they have to just get get it out as quick as possible because you know you don't want to lose that kind of manic energy and that that idea <laughs> and then it's like I, I feel like I've done that so many times with like painting and stuff it's like I've got to do this right now otherwise I'm never going to do it and then it's like you you look at your notes from before and it's like oh I did it wrong <laughs> it's probably that's kind of right. idea <laughs> it's it's a little bit confusing to me because like Okay, so he wrote down these lyrics, and then they wrote the song, but then, like, when the microphone got in front of him, he's like, wait, I don't oh, I don't have the paper. Let's go ahead and sing this. <laughs> the mind and of then genius. later finds the paper. I don't know. <laughs> it just seems funny. Like, at what point along the way did the paper get lost? He like, probably had so much coffee did, that, like, his brain just, like, entered a different dimension, and, like, the words were just coming to him in some sort of fugue state. But, like, did he lose it even before the demo, or did he lose it in between the demo? I mean, I guess he, yeah, in between the demo and the one. He's like, oh, I forgot the wallet <laughs> through the wallet in the wishing well line. Damn it. <laughs> I came up with this whole thing with this fancy word panacea instead. I should have said throw what a wallet in the be? wishing well. <laughs> that is a funny little anecdote. Um,. The avalanche or roadblock? What do you make of that line? Those lines? It's it's kind of like a rock and a hard place, right? Like I have no options. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. And someone pointed out in the interpretations how funny it is that Flans has all these anti-work songs because he is like the workhorse in the band as far <laughs> as like making the business end of the band. That's so like true. Chug along forward, right? I think it's different though because it's like. He's just doing what he wants to do. He's not like working a shitty job. I think he probably, he he like I don't know him, but he um, like I I I see him as a type that hates authority figures. Maybe he just wants to do his own crazy yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> these uh, artsy boys just gotta buck against authority. <laughs> yep, like this guy Paul. Yeah, fuck Paul. Fuck you, Paul. <laughs> I'm gonna have another cup of coffee. God damn it. <laughs> they are coffee fiends we know that and you need that coffee to get the work done i know that very much because i've been doing a uni deadline this week and i've just been like drinking so much coffee that i keep getting headaches so now i'm on a i'm quitting it cold turkey for a, a little bit oh, you just gotta find that uh that sweet spot in the middle <laughs> that's true <laughs> I also love the line, money's all broke and food's going hungry. Mm, yeah, that's another wordplay thing that I love in that song. Yeah. It's just like, I'm so jealous of just these simple little lines that are just tossed off for them. It's like one in a million for these guys. But for me, it would be like, oh, I got this that line, thing. That line so sweet. in particular always reminds me of like, um, you know, the band that he had with his uh, high school girlfriend. And he has this like, mm. he has this song about like, if there was no food in the world that like that we would have like peace and like the, the <laughs> just the way that he wrote writes that line kind of reminds me of that song and it's kind of cute how like you know you always see these kind of ideas popping up over and over again i'll have to go back and listen to that again i haven't listened to it since that first came to light um what was the name of the group um i'm terrible at things it's um the i would have gone band camp the title decks. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, lo- I love that little EP so much. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> uh, you know, I was just talking about this with um, Adam Gorin about Boat of Car. The, uh, w- does it have the band members there? Which what, what, Who was his girlfriend at the time? Because his girlfriend oh, around the time of recording it. the first album... Yeah, what? Well, yeah, like who was in that band? Because Margaret Seiler, who sang "Boat of Car," was Flames' girlfriend at, at that time. But I don't know if this was also her. Hmm. If she was in that band, I'm not so good. Does the band camp list the the personnel? Uh, I doubt it says when they stop dating. <laughs> but I got, well, like if it says who's in that band, uh, it's because um, right, his oh, yeah, girlfriend well, the, was in the band. Yeah, his girl, his ex girlfriend is the one that posted it. Um, Julie Cant, no. Oh That's yeah, it? Julie Cantner. Yeah, I do yeah. know. There was, yeah, there's definitely a time period. I don't really keep track of 
in the, the timeline of Flanders' girlfriends, but it's like there was a period where he like. Are you sure? I don't. <laughs> there was like a period where he started writing about like. I feel like you can tell he started writing about Robin, which is really cute. Um, <laughs> but I'm not really sure when that is. It'd be interesting to kind of figure that yeah. out. Yeah. I'm I'm sure he would never break it down in an interview. <laughs> he wouldn't want to talk about that. <laughs> Flansbury, let's talk about your love life. <laughs> he might love it. He might love it. <laughs> let's bring up all your past girlfriends. I'm sure there's no no sour feelings there. No bad breakups or anything. I'm sure it's all fine. <laughs> let's uh Let's talk about the uh, the musical elements, and we've we've talked about a little bit of the, the, just the difference from the demo to the album version. So, talking about the official Lincoln album version, what are your favorite things about the musical elements of Snowball? Um, I think it's kind of like, um, you know, it's such a the music is so nice sounding. It's so like nice and whimsical sounding, and kind of like it, it almost sounds like it could be like in a soundtrack for some like rom-com or like sitcom thing because it's like do 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 and it's like really re, <laughs> really nice sounds but then it's like he's singing about how his life is terrible and how he hates his job and like drugs and shit and it's like um it it's that classic kind of juxtaposition thing that they might be trying to do but it's, it's almost in a different way because it's not it's not so obvious i think it's kind of like you know mundane almost almost Right, yeah, about the you know the dregs of everyday life. It's not about you know like one of Linnell's death songs, <laughs> one uh, of Linnell's death songs, <laughs> one of his depression anthems. Um, yeah, and just the melody is is perfect. Yeah, it is very sing songy. It's very. Uh, it's just a very pleasing melody. Very easy to get stuck in your head. Mm. And I love that in this one, Linnell does the backup vocals. I talk about this all the time about how they do their own harmonies now, but just getting the two Johns singing together. Mm. It's it's funny because I I think I heard you say, talk about that in one of the other podcasts. Um, And it's like, I always, I always notice it now, but the the best album for that is probably Phone Power because I, no, join us, sorry. Because it's like, if you listen to that, it's like so many songs have um like John and John harmonies on, in that is so good but that um the harmony with Linnell on this song is why I really really want to hear it live really bad because it's just like mm. hearing it live and it's just kind of like you can hear both of their voices a bit clearer it's like it brings a whole other thing to the song and like also hearing the accordion so loudly it must be amazing like ugh. well hey how about we listen to uh, a more modern performance of it from 2011 i got a link there in the email for you and this one is mr john ulis capital q on youtube let's uh all hail yep <laughs> let's check this out this is from wolf's den in connecticut november 25th 2011 hey is that accordion uh Yeah. 
supposed to be racking up a gigantic flaming pile of sand. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you mind your own business? <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. They have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because when they try to go back into the song, Flans is just laughing his ass off. It's so cute. <laughs> For good reason. <laughs> What's crazy is that at least documented that there are only 32 known performances of this song. That's messed 32. up. 32. That's messed up. It's like nothing. Yeah. And we just listened to two of them. So there were only 30 other performances of this song. Not enough. And it's so good. And listening to that, the, the one thing I was trying to decipher um, that I didn't even realize was in the song until I looked at the credits was that Flansburg plays the melodica on the album uh, version of this. And a melodica and the high notes on an accordion have a very similar timbre. Mm. Have you been able to ever pick out what the melodica part is on the song? It's probably like... <laughs> I don't want to... <laughs> I can't do it. That bit, like... Right? Maybe. Yeah. Yep. Maybe. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't know for sure, but my my guess was actually that the very first couple notes of the song are on the melodica. Um the da na and then the accordion comes in on the din 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 like doing the little descending thing cuz then you can kind of hear them go over top of each other. And I guess the one other reason I was thinking that is that the the slight difference in the tone the melodica just has like a straight da, while the accordion has that da, that's that so little true. bit of vibrato to it. So that's what made me think that that might be the two, because then you can hear them kind of, when the accordion jumps in, you can hear the two on top of each other. That would be probably impossible to play as one person on an accordion. But previously, I thought it was just all accordion. Yeah, but you can kind of tell because when you hit, you like watch that live performance, it sounds a lot kind of like. The accordion sounds a lot meatier. Like you can definitely hear it, like booming, mm-hmm. and it, add, mm-hmm. it does add yeah. something. I also love in the uh, something that wasn't in the demo that made it into Lincoln is that little chiming keyboard part. It almost sounds like a glockenspiel, but that that yeah. bing bong that just happens so throughout the song. It sounds so happy during the verses, bing bong. But then when it gets to that bridge before the uh, the clip mm-hmm. comes in, it starts sounding almost a little more menacing, even though it's the same two notes. That dun dun, Absolutely. and it's, especially because the drum machine uses like that timpani sounds, like boom boom. <laughs> It's so good because it's just like, you know, manipulating these like, like you know, like the melodical and the glockenspiel and stuff. And even the accordion is kind of like, it's pretty cutesy stuff and pretty happy sounding stuff and almost like kiddie like. But then it's kind of turned into this kind of adults like theme song about hating their job. So it's like, it really works, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, have you ever had to work in an office? Um, um, no, actually. I've done a lot of, like, retail work. And I, I was a receptionist once. Okay. Like, oh. Yeah, a receptionist, I think, would be a lot I hated it. Lines. I hated it so much. It was the worst job. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's it's kind of a rite of passage, though, when you're young to work. It's true, especially as an artist. Right, a few shitty jobs until you can finally make it doing what you want to do. Yeah, it's a rite of passage. So, yeah, see why, the, you know, relating to these Flans songs. Same anger. They're so perfect. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering if there's anything, I don't know if there's anything weird in the interpretations. I didn't really go through it all that much. Sometimes like, if there's some really, really wacky ones, yeah. but pretty much they're all, we're all on the same page about it. I think I remember reading one cool thing that it was like, it was comparing that, like some of the imagery in the song to white color versus blue color, which was kind of interesting, but I think a bit of a reach, but still interesting. Mm. Okay. So there's, okay. Yeah. I found the one you're talking about. I think the singer is equating uh, the white collar worker to the blue collar worker. And on the avalanche roadblock, the snow is obviously, the posher white collar office worker. Obviously. And the avalanche that pulled him into this working hell is also a roadblock to a career or money. 
Uh, the clean snow of his social status has been based to the foothills of the mountain, hell, as the holier-than-thou jailer is himself in prison. <laughs> That's pre- pretty wordy. Cool, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and they, they also uh, make a comparison in the, the money I owe, the money IA, comparing it to, in minimum wage, the... Uh, a yippee of like a cowboy in the oh, minimum wage. Yeah. <laughs> I love that idea. I didn't read that one. That's so cool. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. This one, you know, for uh, it's a, it's a flan song. It's a guitar friendly key. Lots of times in these Linnell songs, I have to try and like parse through the chord progression and see what the hell's going on. But this one, it's a good old GDC in the uh, verses. And you go to that E minor in the, the, the turnarounds. Let's take a quick break to hear from one of our podcast friends. You like They Might Be Giants, huh? Oh, I hope so, considering the podcast you're listening to. Do you want to listen to another podcast where they mention They Might Be Giants almost every episode and it has nothing to do with that band? Of course you do. Well, then we have the podcast for you. At Bare Naked ABCs, we discuss every Bare Naked Lady song alphabetically. We break down the music, break down the lyrics, discuss other appearances by the band, and just have a fun time in general. But we also have interviews sometimes with people related to the band, such as when we talk to Dave Foley of Kids in the Hall, Harlan Williams, Susan Rogers, and of course, Stephen Page and Andy Cregan from Bare Naked Ladies. So if you like funny, sarcastic, and irreverent humor and music, Come listen to us talk about the Canadian They Might Be Giants over at Bare Naked ABCs. We're going to be moving into the cover section. I could only find two of them, which I was very surprised. I figured for these classic tracks, I mean, I don't know if it's... I figured I'd find a lot more of it. And For a classic track, I guess it is kind of buried on Lincoln a little bit. You know, it's the second to last track. Um, 17 out of 18. It, w- it would have been a great closer if it wasn't for the actual closer. Yeah, Snowball in Hell and Kiss Me, Son of God. I mean, perfect way, <laughs> perfect way to end a record. And, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of uh, thematically linked a little bit, too, you know, without getting too much into Kiss Me, Son of God, but especially if you're going along the lines of that white collar versus blue collar mm, thing. Definitely. Because he gets to that evil white collar guy and then kiss me, son of God. Such a good ending to the album. And it just shows you how stacked Lincoln is in the track list. So many bangers. <laughs> I know. that such a good song would be the 17th track. Is nuts. So the cover section. Let's see. Okay. Well, first, let's listen to the more um, simplistic one first, which is the actually the second one I have listed there. Um, Jacob Smigel and it's actually Jacob Smigel and Joe Kendall and it's on the Matt Kendall YouTube channel and it says for some tape compilation circa 2007 probably go ahead and check check a little bit of that out Avalanche roadblock I was a snowball in hell Avalanche roadblock A jailer trapped in his cell Money's all broke Food's going hungry If it wasn't for disappointment I wouldn't have any appointments Side effect of drug trip don't tease me with all of your mind Side effect to drug trip My fantasy is in a Xerox shop Have a nice day Have a nice day Have a nice day Wow, this is awesome. It sounds so 90s. He almost makes it sound like a Not A Surf song. I don't know if you know Not A Surf. I don't know them, but... That there's definitely a particular vibe that is like it's, it works so well oh my god you know I always find it so interesting in like they might be giant stuff 
um, covers, I mean, when it's like, they take, they take a They Might Be Giant song that's kind of, like, weird, and then they turn it into something that's so much more, like, you know, like, recognisable. It's like, it always, like, mm-hmm. shocks me, because it's like, this works so good as, like, a pop rock song, oh my god. Yeah. And so, at first it starts out sounding like it might just be, like, this guy's solo acoustic, but then we start getting, the second guy comes in with... Sounds like a toy piano, and you get some drums in there, too. Just kind of brushed snare drum. Mm. And then the next cover is by the Puppet Heads. And the Puppet Heads are some people that pop up in, I'm I'm pretty sure these peeps are in uh, Miscellaneous Mm -hmm. Tea group. Um, Yeah, we got Rachel Jones. Not the Rachel Jones that has appeared three times on this <laughs> on this podcast, but the other Rachel Jones, uh, who will mix it up in the fan communities as well. She seems pretty cool. I should have her on, and maybe I should get both Rachel Joneses on an episode at the same time. That would be too powerful. It's really, yeah. It would be like Voltron. They would just combine <laughs> and <laughs> destroy everything. Rachel Jones, Chelsea Noel, and Blake Thompson. I'm not sure if I know much about Chelsea or Blake, but yeah, Rachel comes up in uh, a lot of our nerdy fan discussions online, too. gifts how long have you been here blake chelsea long enough to see we have a christmas problem on our hands are all of these addressed to santa oh uh i'm doing all right you should go back to sleep oh i get it rachel back on that old catching santa kick right not back on it blake still on it don't forget to add bourbon to his eggnog it's, inter- it's interesting hearing both of those next to each other because it's like I feel like um, the first one that took like some of the more kind of rocky elements of it, and then like the puppet head one, puppet heads one is like that sounds super kind of like newer than Rabbit Giants to me, and it's like if you combine them, then you get the actual song almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They get these brass tones. They got the chiming bell tones. They make it Christmassy. <laughs> I feel so Christmassy right now. Back in that old catching Santa. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> I think. I think the um, the wait. What's the the very first line? I didn't expect to find our singing drinking drinking cocoa so late on Christmas. <laughs> it's so cute. Can't take it. Adorable, but yeah, the the arrangement is great. It's just very well thought out Absolutely. and while it's faithful to the original in a lot of ways it also adds a lot of its own textures Absolutely. yeah nice job I do need to get this Rachel Jones on here that'd be awesome yeah she seems real cool That those were the only two covers I could find I didn't find anything on Bandcamp no one's done a full like Lincoln tribute compilation oh, they should so do that come on I know right uh, nothing on SoundCloud either, which is where I usually find like those the weird ones and chiptune versions and all the stuff, but no such luck. That's so that's all I got. Up. 
It's actually one of the songs that, like, if I ever had the <laughs> courage to, like, post music online that I've done, it would be one of the ones that I would want to cover. Because mm. I think it, mm. it just works. Like, it works for all skill levels because it's kind of, like, like those two covers, you can kind of take it, you can take the more simple aspects of it and make that work. And then you could also make, like, take the complicated parts and make that enduring too. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, and I mean, at its at its bare structure, it's not a complicated song. Like I said, I mean, it's a chord progression that, uh, you know, someone with a year or less of guitar under their belt could could you know bash out. And then you know, if you got more years under your belt, you take it in a more complicated direction. Mm-hmm. It could, like I said, it could go a lot of places. So good. So I think it is time for you to score this song. I suck at this because I only ever want to give it a ten. I think, yeah, I don't know. Kind of, I'm just gonna give it a ten again. I, th- I feel like I've historically gave everything tens, but that's allowed. Well, see, I should keep track of my guests' scores. Did you give Door to Door Minotaur? I probably, a 10? I probably, ge- I probably gave it a ten and then backtracked. But it's like, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I love to, you know, rebel against the rules of the um, vote, the uh, scoring system. So. <laughs> <laughs> throw it off by just giving everything a 10 I, like I'll, everything. I'll give it a 9 just to look more kind of stable mentally <laughs> this, this is a great song and Lincoln has so many spicy hot tracks it's just hard I mean to, to stack them up against each other but I think oh, I'm gonna go I'm going to go an 8.5 on this one. That's good. This is one of my, I probably would say it is one of my favorite early Flans tracks. Out of all the 80s Flans tracks, this one, it's up there. It just gets stuck in my head and won't get out in the best way. (laughs) We don't want it to get out of our heads. So you got anything to plug, like uh, where people can go and look at some of your your handiworks? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's like my Instagram, which is at Abigail Bash underscore. Because um, I've, got, I've got a bunch of There Might Be Giants art on there. And also I'm going to post some more because um, I'm working on a, a painting, a rare Abbey painting of Linnell. So I'll be posting that soon. So Nice. We're going to have the next Banksy over here. It's going to like mysteriously <laughs> pop up in Brooklyn somewhere. You say that. Literally, like, a Banksy, who did this? A Banksy painting popped up literally down the road from me, not long ago. For real? Yeah, in my in my <laughs> shitty little town of Nottingham, literally. And like, I live, I live. Well, it was my last address, but it was like, it was literally a road down from me. This Banksy piece with like a, a bike from it, and like, I went to go visit it late at night one time, and they have twenty four seven surveillance on this piece. So I was like, oh my god. <laughs> It's crazy. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go follow Abby and uh, hire her to do artwork for you. Artists supporting artists, especially in these pandemic times. Yeah, boy. Let's, uh, let's all help each other out. As for This Might Be a Podcast, you can find me all over the place, thismightbeapodcast.com. I need to update that more, but it's there. Um, you can see uh, the awesome Don't Let's Start Inspired uh, art that Abby did on the Bandcamp, thismightbeapodcast.bandcamp.com, with the upside down Linnell and Flans with Linnell's teeth all in their glory. <laughs> and uh, find me on Twitter, This Might Be a Pod. Email me, this might be a pod at Gmail, and leave me voicemails at 224-801-2930. If you really like uh, what you hear and you really want to wear some Abbey artwork around, go to patreon.com slash this might be a podcast and get some of that sweet, sweet, sweet merch. Yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) So good to talk to you again. No, that was so fun. Yeah. Can't, we shouldn't go that long again for next never, time. Never, never again. Never again. And let me see. Do we have you down for more songs too? Let me see. According to, if I hit Command F 
and search Abby, you're on here 17 times? Wow, that's where you're going. Oh, we forgot you were also on the Flood Tour Patreon episode. Oh, so because... bad. That was a bit of a shambles, to be fair. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> I, I... My voice was so bad, I could barely speak. Oh, God. <laughs> that'll do it and uh yeah thanks again oh thank you so much it's been awesome yeah i was i always love talking about stuff i mean they might be on stuff because it's like very rarely i feel like i actually get to talk about it in like any depth so it's always very nice yeah it, it you know it's it's nice you know commenting back and forth on a facebook post but like actually getting on the phone for real. talking for over an human hour human interactions yeah, I know. We need it. Alrighty, let's call it a night. It is uh, what time for you there right now? Almost 2 a.m. 2 a.m. <laughs> yeah, and I have uni to the bar. <laughs> oh no, what time? Uh, not too late. I think about 9 a.m. <laughs> I never probably sleep. should get, you know, a little bit of sleep, right? I will have dreams of snowballs in hell. There you go. <laughs> and get that second cup of coffee tomorrow morning. Oh, yeah. Avalanche rolled I was a snowball in hell. Avalanche rolled A jailer trapped in his cell. Money I owe. Money I Money I Snowball in hell. Yes, I was a snowball in hell.